My name is Jordan D. White. I am back to hosting the podcast after a kind of uh, extended leave of mourning. Not for anybody who died. Nobody died to know about that. It was just that I was really upset about the movie of Watchmen because, frankly, it was... We, yeah, you don't like it. We know. Can, can you just move on? Yeah, the movie of Watchmen was terrible and Battlestar Galactica ended terribly, which revealed the entire series was, te- was bad. I didn't see why the entire series has to have been bad just because... Don't get them started on that. Let's just move on. So you're not upset about this anymore? Well, it's not so much that I'm not upset uh, as it is that I found something to draw me out of my upsetness, namely... This ukulele. Um, I bought myself a ukulele. It is. It was very cheap. It was like thirty bucks. So it's cheap ukulele, but it's um, it's cute. It's yellow. It's bright yellow, kind of a school bus yellow or banana yellow or whatever you want to call it. Um, so I'm very happy with it. I love it. I, I want to play it all the time, um, including basically right now. Uh, I mean, it's it's just kind of addictive. Once I've got it in my hands, like I just I don't want to stop messing around with it. I just want to you know play with it for the rest of the day. Yeah, but you're not going to play it the entire time that you're on the podcast, right? No, I mean, no, probably not. Oh, I guess I should introduce these other people. This guy here is uh, 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 Frank Allen. Yes, I am Frank Allen. It's nice to meet you. Uh, I am a journalist, an interviewer, a debate moderator, kind of a, a, a an all-around host. I mean, already on this show, I'm a co-host. But uh, I'm parts of the show. I am host of different segments of the show, and I'm sure you'll see fairly superior segments of the show. Right, Jordan? Um, mm, no, I mm, my segments are pretty good. Um, and that's Roy Sinjin over there. Well, hello. Uh, yes, and actually, my segments of the show are pretty good as well. I do the historically oriented segments of the show, as I am myself an extra historian, formerly of the Brooklyn Institute of Extra Historical Studies, which is of course now defunct thanks to Frank Allen over here. Look, I just it was a it was a gesture. It was a gesture of being a jerk. Yes, I, I suppose that's accurate to, to some extent. Um, so there we are. But I, I do extra historical studies. So of course, if anyone is interested in learning about their extra history of the future, uh, any of the extra historical realities around us, procuring an extra historical reading, in other words, from me, you can contact me, of course, at castingmax at gmail.com. Oh, and don't worry, of course, he won't be a complete wuss uh, for your reading the way he was on the show for the last few episodes. Well, I, look, now, that's not fair. That's really not fair. We, we were we were under someone else's thrall. It's the way it happened. Yeah, well, some of us had integrity. And some of us were, were still on the show right up to the last episode. Would it have been better if I had been beaten and replaced with a robot? Would that have been better? Well, you would have been a better person. Whether or not it would have served anything. It wouldn't have served anything. How about that? I, I, I know that for a fact. M- perhaps did you ever think possibly I, in pretending to be a robot and continuing to be on the show, in some way helped bring about the end of Escape's Reign? Did you think of that? Well, no, I didn't think of that because it's not true. Well, perhaps it was. Perhaps I helped incite, you know, some of the, the loudness that became his downfall. And, and look, look, I'm just saying there's no reason for me to get hurt along with you. No, no, because obviously you'd have to have a spine for that, so. No, I, well, yes, you have to have a spine in order to feel things, yes. But I, I have a spine, and I do feel things, just not things like getting hit. Jordan, I just, can you get him to stop doing this? Yes. Um, Frank, just stop. You shouldn't... Frank, you shouldn't um, bother Rory, because Rory is a good... Uh, Person. 
Sure. Yeah, sure. Yes, that's totally, totally accurate. So are you, I mean, seriously, are you going to, like, actually host the show today, or are you just going to, you know, play your ukulele? I can do both. I don't see why I, I, I don't see that, that I am prevented. Just because I'm you know, doodling around on ukulele. I mean, this is you, again, I, I could, we don't have to do the show. I could just play the ukulele. You guys said that this would be all right. Well, because we want to do the show. Come on. Well, I, I mean, I'm more interested in playing the ukulele, to be totally honest with you. But, yeah, but we, look, we made the deal with you about the ending. No, that's true. That's true. So I guess it's only fair. It's only fair. Okay. All right. I'll put it down. I'll put it down. I'll put it down until, until we're done with this segment. I'll put it down. Thank you. Thank you, Jordan. That's very nice of you. Okay. So, um, so what do we, now, now this is a good question. For a while, we were doing a, a segment called watch at the beginning of every show. But that's totally unnecessary now, and we don't have to do that ever again. No, no, that's, uh, yes, I mean, it's basically done. Again, as uh, you're working at a fast food restaurant, there's not a lot to tell. Well, yeah, uh, that's, I, it, I meant because I'm not one of those things, but, and as, let's be realistic, but, yeah, we didn't need to do that, and then Scape replaced it with a segment about how good he was. And clearly there's not, no reason to do that. Well, actually, that wouldn't be a bad idea. What? No, we, we can do that. We can, we can do that segment, because now we won't have to say that we won't have to compliment him. Oh, I see. Oh. <laughs> yeah, in fact, oh, you know, that gives me the opportunity, actually, to do the theme song. How good is Scapey, yeah? How good is Scapey, yeah? Frank, Allen and Rory are gonna tell me right now, now, now. All right, so now it is time for How Good is Scapey with your host, me, Jordan D. White, not Scapey, thankfully. Um, Frank, Allen, it's time for you to answer the age-old question, how good is Scapey? Wow. Oh, that's tough. That's really tough. Well, uh, Scape is so good that if he were a food, uh, he would be chicken moist food for cats. In other words, I wouldn't want to eat him. So not good is the answer. Excellent. Excellent. That's a, that's an interesting answer. It's a very interesting. It's kind of a, a, a fake out, if you will. It's like, oh, is he, oh, maybe he's complimenting him. No, only to escape. Ah, ha, ha. He's not good. And it has a double meaning because he's good in his own mind, you see, and he's not good in anybody else's mind. Oh, yeah. That's very subtle. And, uh, Mr. Roy Sinjin, can you tell me how good Scapey is? Uh, yes, of course. Absolutely. Uh, Scape is so good that if you were to try to number the amount of goodness he had, you'd probably have to use I, the imaginary number. Oh, that's, yep. That's very clever. That's very clever. Um, mm, that's just, you know, gosh, I don't know the answer, though. I don't know which one is the answer. Well, you've got to decide. Is, is it is it mine or his? Yes, it shouldn't be that hard. No, it, it is, though. Um, it's so hard that I think I have to uh, think about it over a little bit of a song. How good is Scapey? Yeah. How good is Scapey? Frank Allen and Rory tried to tell me, but I don't know, no, no. Thank you very much. We weren't clapping, actually, but thank you for playing that for us. So what's the answer? Did you decide? Wow. Uh, what is the answer? Um, I don't remember what the, the two things you gave. Oh, you know what? Actually, I do. Uh, I'm going to go with, with Rory's because I like the idea of the imaginary number. They both were, listen, they both had a lot going for them because yours, like you said, double meaning. He's not good, but he's good in his own mind. And then Rory's had the double meaning of what number would it be? And he didn't go for the obvious one of a negative number. He went for imaginary number. He's, his, his goodness is imagined. They're both, like I said, they're both really clever, but I like the math joke. It's because you were a mathlete. Is that why? I, I wasn't a mathlete. I was on the math team. There was no mathletics going on. It was, I was just doing math equations. 
on a team. Well, that's basically, that's, I think that's what a mathlete is, isn't it? I, well, I wouldn't know because I wasn't one. But, Rory, I think you won the How Good Escapey contest. Thank you very much. And, of course, and your prize is that you get to hear a little song. How good escapey, yeah. How good escapey, yeah. So good that if someone tried to put a number on his amount of goodness, it would be I, the imaginary number, right now, now, now. Okay, that, can you can that be the last time you play that song? That song, yeah, because we're done with that segment. That segment is over. We, we wanted you back, and we still want you back as the host of the show, of course. But part of us, I think, thought that when Scape was replaced, we would be able to stop... Dealing with someone trying to insert songs in every two seconds. Well, that's... I'm... Wow. That's an interesting. That's very interesting. Hmm. <laughs> See, that was my escape impression. Oh, it was very really good. But, um... Seriously, can we move on to the next segment? Of course, of course. Um, up first, we've got a show called Epic Echoes, the backward series. Gosh, and I don't even know where we are. What's going on on the show? Like, are, is, it, is it still... Are we still in the same season? Uh, yes, yes. They're, they're, they're leaping around through time trying to stop the vampires. I believe that's season three, correct? Oh, yeah. Yes, that's what it is. That is what it is. So let's get right to it. Here we go with Epic. 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 Echoes. 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 Echoes the Backward Series, Season 3, Episode 9, Great Green Dragons, by Guinevere Ecker. Dralis ducked as a plane flew overhead. Dirt exploded around them and Dralis threw herself against the wall of the trench. I can't wait to get back home where wars aren't so blasted uncivilized. I need to have Slaughter stop in the mid-27th century so I can hug the man that did away with French warfare and bombs! Farther along the trench, Jimmy squatted in the mud, chatting with the British colonel. I don't know if this will be any of use to you, but since the German brigade of the Vampiro Nazi army broke through the blockade yesterday, it isn't much use to us. Are you sure you don't need this anymore? Not if it could be useful to you, and they've most likely got the entire system mapped out by now. I'm really sorry we can't do anything more to help you. Don't worry about it, lad. If you can get this cut-off guy killed off in the past, this whole blasted war will be a figment of our imaginations. And I'll get to see the twins grow up. We'll certainly do our best. We really appreciate I'd really appreciate getting out of here with minimal shrapnel embedded in my limbs and as much of my hearing intact as possible! Let's go! Jimmy saluted the colonel, and he and Dralis used the transporter belt, borrowed from Keen, to get out of the Amerasian trenches and into a bigger crisis. Could you two have taken any longer? Why? What's the rush this time? We'll explain on the way. Time to go. Wait, where's Fertress? The flashback grabbed hands and tumbled through time. They landed and dropped as an enormous tail flew over their heads. Great, great dragons! Your powers of observation astound me, Max. The flashback dove for cover under various rocks and pine trees as great green dragons dove headfirst for them, screaming their terrible thunderous war cries. Where in the name of time-stepping itself have you taken a slaughter? I don't know. You don't know? Fertress threw a leash to me right after they grabbed him. Wait, who grabbed Fertress? A leash? I didn't know he was capable of making them. So I just followed it. I'm glad it's in a different time, though. What do you mean? 
I'm a time stepper, but I can also do Keen's nifty little transport bit, as long as where I'm transporting to is in a different time. Lesson in time stepping later. Avoiding nasty dragons now. Great green dragons. Why do the adjectives matter? Because they're great green dragons? How do we find Fertress? He should be here. This is where the leash ends. Slaughter, dragons don't eat cats, do they? That's cat man to you, mister! And help me! Fertress! Where are you, you mangy cat? We can't help you if we can't find you! I'm up here! I'm a blog wings! I see him! Keen reached for her handheld incinerator 256. No, Sarah, you'll fry Fertress! Who said I was baby for Blogmeister? This one over there with orangey wings is going down. Molly, what are you doing? Just come over here and help Max hold this. Hold what? It's a teacup! And teacups get pretty heavy when they're filled with the essence of dragon tooth. Ready? Fire! Whereas Keen's handgun was more or less tickling the dragons, the blast that Molly's contraption shot out completely obliterated a third dragon with spikes in its head. In a moment, three other dragons had been disintegrated, and Blogmeister was flapping towards a shiny skyscraper in the distance. Out of the sky there came the whine of an engine and the yowl of ten catmen magicians. The dragon flying off with Fertress disappeared. Fertress yowled all the way to the ground, remembering at the last possible second that not only do cats... Catmen! ...always land on their feet, but he was a magic user. Thus, he fashioned for himself a cushion to break his fall. A few moments later, both the Flash Pack and the group of Catmen magic users met up in the woods. Hi, everybody. Thanks for the help back there. No problem, miss. We've been dealing with the great green dragons for a while now. Why did they go after Fertress? Don't dragons usually want... Maidens and such? Not the great green dragons. They eat cats. And since regular felines have gone extinct on this planet, they've been targeting us. Then why are you still here? So that when Mr. Fuzzbottom here gets himself lined up for an appetizer, we can swoop in and save the day. I'm Geranium Whiskers. We used to work for the Saladonian Embassy. But since the dragon invasion, we've been running an underground refuge for Saladonians in danger. Thank you very much for your assistance. Is there anything we can do to repay you? You can come for dinner, Max Thornfield, and get out of the woods before the dragons return. Several hours later, the flashback, stuffed to the brim from the buffet prepared for them by the Saladonians and Keen, lounged around the common area of the suite they had been given. Most of them sat on the floor, however, as Fertress was the only being the correct size to partake of the furniture. So what did the Master Archivist of 1844 have to say? She referred us to the Master Archivist of 4044. Supposedly, he managed to recover almost everything that was lost in the Great Library Fires of 1699. And the Master Archivist of 4044 is supposed to be the expert in Vampiro's lore, legend, myth, archaeological... But can he give us a concise list of Vampiros throughout history? I don't really care how they came into being. I just want them to come out of being. And he's got a database of every vampire who ever lived. So we just go through it and pick out the key ones? Pretty much. I hope this works. Well, we've hit most of the big ones. The rest should be a piece of cake. Can't we just ignore them until they go away? I like it here. They have good food. That's because Keen helped them. Sorry, Fertress, but if they're vampiros, they have to be stopped. Hey, are we going to be resting here for a while? I think I should, um, go log our current situation in my cyber register. In a minute, I've got something important. What's up, Slaughter? Someone's 15 today. Slaughter. Don't slaughter me yet, Jimbo. You haven't gotten your cake yet. Please tell me this one isn't going to explode. Or turn us all that nasty pulsing shade of neon orange. So cooking isn't my forte. I think what they all mean to say is, happy birthday, Jimmy. Do-do-do-do-do-do, you say it's your birthday, 
Thanks, guys. You're the best. You thought we forgot, didn't you? Um... Okay, sentimental part over. I'm heading out. Wait, where are you going? Can't you fill in the register from here? Uh, no. I have to go outside. And away a little bit. The reception is bad here because, uh, the dragon's oars have a cyber block on the whole area. Oh, okay. Good luck, then. And be careful. Thanks. Toodles, everybody. Keen pushed a button on her transporter belt and disappeared from the Saladonian embassy. She reappeared much farther north, in front of a large, desolate ditch that had once been a moat. She pushed another button to signal her presence, and one Sir William Alfred Wickersham, 14th Lord Duke of Blackmore, formerly part of the Greater North Sea Continent of Britain, flashed through time and space to materialize directly outside of the large carved door on the opposite end of the lower drawbridge. William! Greetings, my dear Sarah. How I've missed thee. Sir William Alfred Wickersham, 14th Lord Duke of Blackmore, formerly part of the Greater North Sea Continent of Britain, bowed low with a swish of his feathered cap. He offered Sarah Keena's arm, and together they walked into his immense black castle. So you're on the hunt for Alabaster? Yes, apparently Jimmy made some promise to a doomed man of the future. Wait, are you on a first name basis with him? Was, my angel, was. I have not spoken to him since he turned, but I have heard of his reputation. Do you know anything beyond the fact that he's a brutal monster? Because that would really help right now. Please do not interrupt me when I speak. Forgive me? But of course my beautiful moonbeam, as I was saying, is a nasty one, but not the worst of them. What are your plans after that? Probably going to go see the Master Archivist of 4044. Supposedly he has some fantastic collection of Empiris knowledge. Uh, I, I recommend going to see him first. It will serve the purpose of granting you more information about Alabaster, which could lead to a quicker demise. Do you really think so? I would love for this mission to be over. Then I would then I would be free to spend my time how I wished. I I had hoped to have this situation resolved before the coming autumn, but at the rate your flashback's going, no offense meant, of course, it will never be over. I wish Max would be open to changing his mind once he's got a course of action set, but I suppose it can't be helped. Alas, I too wish it was so, but either way, be sure to visit the Master Archivist of 4044 directly after you've finished with Alabaster, if not sooner. He is your man. Oh no, William. You are my man. Several hours later, Keen reappeared at the Saladonian Embassy to see her friends packing up. And it's probably the best way to do this that won't leave the pack any more shorthanded than it already is. There was a momentary pause in the hustle and bustle. I miss Julie. Oh. Um, where are we going? Alabaster Kartoff. Big jerk, what about him? He's running a port in some port town with a horribly unpronounceable name. So we go in, slaughter, and get out. And then the colonel can see his kids grow up. Will the Flash Pack be able to defeat Alabaster Kartoff like they have so many others? Will his death really prevent World War II? Is the underground cave network really safe? Will the Master Archivist 4044 be able to help the Flash Pack? Find out next week in Vampiros of the Deep. In that episode of Epic Echoes... Guinevere Eckert played the narrator, Nicholas Roach was Max Thornfield, Angela Tymon was Dralis Thornfield, Devin White was Molly Singh, Lynn Nelson was Jill Slaughter, Tong Wen Wong was Sarah Keen, Daniel Schwartz was Jimmy Kovacs, Skate White was Fertress Fuzzbottom, Rob Glass was the Colonel, and Boo Bell White was Geranium Whiskers. Thank you very much, Roy. You know, that that show, man, that show has a great theme song. I wonder if I could play it. Oh, come on. No, no, I just want to try it out. Let me see about this. 
Okay, um, so what's up next? Actually, the next thing would be my segment of the show, uh, This Day in History and Where Are They Now in History. Right, right, right. Well, so should we just start that? Well, no, actually, I, before we do, um, I do have something I want to say about it. What I tried to do recently is when, when we skip shows, and as you know, we skipped last week's show because Jordan was playing the ukulele, and the week before that also because he was playing the ukulele, but that means we have three episodes to play This Day in History. So what I've done is I've created a Where Are They Now in History that takes place right after each of them. It, 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 it's, it summarizes the lessons of all three. It brings all three historical lessons into one world and makes them all work absolutely together. All right. Well, uh, that sounds like fun. No, it is. It, it absolutely is a lot of fun. Good. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's play it then. All right. Let's play. Hello, my name's Rory Sinjin on WHRW Binghamton. This is This Day in History. Did you know on June 8th, 632, in Medina, located in present-day Saudi Arabia, Muhammad, one of the most influential religious and political leaders in history, dies in the arms of Aisha, his third and favorite wife. Aisha... The prophet is dead. We must bury him immediately. Yes, get the shovels. We'll dig right here. <laughs> Aisha, my beloved husband. <laughs> Aisha, you, you as the prophet's favorite wife, must dig the hole by yourself. Here is the holy shovel of the holy hole. No one told me shovel duty was part of this favorite wife stuff. Well, yep, that's actually, in the book. Yep. Favorite wife's a bit of a misnomer, but I think that's a different PSA all entirely. What so, do you mean misnomer? Please, I was great in the sack. Please, he didn't say misnomer. He said misnomer, whatever that is. Please, uh, I'll start please start digging, digging now. Ow! <laughs> Electricity. I didn't, I didn't know there were power lines in in Mecca. At this I, time. I expected mole people. Yeah, oh, there they are. Oh, hello, mole people. Hello, how are you? Are you not angry for you, disturbing your ancient and illustrious civilization with our unscheduled no. digging? We are happy you let us out of the ground. Does anyone care that I'm dead? No, we are mole people. Why should we care? Mm. Uh, the Why mole people we? are kind of rude. And oh yeah, it's terrible. The prophet's favorite wife is dead. Why should we care about human politeness? We are mole people from the ground. Oh. Okay, look, I'm going to either convert you or kill you, so... Uh, convert me. Okay, good. Illustrating an important point that uh, I don't believe is in the Quran, but is still quite important. You should always call the uh, local utility companies before you dig on your property. You may strike electricity or gas lines or something like that. This is This Day in History on WHRW, Binghamton. Hello and welcome to This Day in History on WHRW Binghamton. My name is Roy Sinjin. Did you know that on June 15th, 1215, following a revolt by the English nobility against his rule, King John puts his royal seal on the Magna Carta, or Great Charter. The document guaranteed that the king would respect feudal rights and privileges, uphold the freedom of the church, and maintain the nation's laws. Okay, so, John, here are the things we need you to do. Yes! Uphold, uphold the laws of the kingdom, maintain the sovereignty of the church, not finish all the milk without buying more. Are you getting all of this We're down? We're counting what on you, John. Where is my royal croquet hound? Johnny I must go play. This is all very interesting. Isn't there a prime minister someone hey. to take care of this for Hey, me? Lord Cedric. Yes, Lord Hardwick. This sounds like an excellent excuse for a rebellion because John isn't following through on his responsibilities. I think so. Have you got any spears or something? Where's my riding horse? I'm going to go 
show riding. Yeah, I've got like three of them right here. Oh, wonderful. Shall we uh, uprise or something? Yes. Clop, clop, clop. Rebellion. Rebellion. Oh, rats. Got your horse. <laughs> Yet not me, though it seems like a bad idea to reveal that to you. Uh, yes, King John did not follow through with his responsibilities, and he did pay the consequences, and his friends, a.k.a. subjects, uh, killed him. Make sure that you follow through on your responsibilities, and don't upset your friends who are counting on you. Yes, you. I think you know who I'm talking about. This is This Day in History on WHRW Binghamton. Welcome to WHRW Binghamton's This Day in History. My name is Rory Sinjin. On June 22nd, 1876, embittered and impoverished, the once mighty General Antonio Lopez de Santa Anna, who had been commander of Mexico's army during the Mexican-American War, dies in Mexico City. Before I die, I want to say a few things. First of all, I never like Mexico. Also, I think this country is a rat hole. You stink. Also, it's a good thing you're dying. I don't like Mexicans or any of my soldiers. Also, I want to kill everyone in this audience. Also, I think that we should become part of USA. Much better country. Also, if not USA, possibly Venezuela. Or Are you done yet? No. Hey, look, I got the right to say this. I'm not going to die until one of you kills me or I die of natural causes. Ah! Didn't like him anyway. Yes, tragically, um, Mexico does not have as strong laws supporting free speech as we do. Here in America, free speech protects unpopular speech as well. This is This Day in History on WHRW Binghamton. But don't stop digging yet. My name's Roy Sinjin, and this is Where Are They Now in History on Gaston Wax. And you probably don't realize just how important the mole men were to that moment in history. Yes, back in the year 632, shortly after the death of Mohammed, the mole men were converted to Islam, which did affect them quite a lot from then on. They had an entire Muslim society built entirely under the ground that went completely unnoticed by most of Western and Eastern civilization. In fact, everyone except for the few Muslims who were there when they converted the mole men. And after that time, they would subtly influence the above world, as in the year 1215, when they would secretly slip into King John's room at night and slip stupid juice in his ears to make him a babbling nitwit. And it was that babbling nitwititude that led to the signing of the Magna Carta, which, according to the mole men's plan, over time led to the founding of the United States of America, which is, of course was one of the direct causes of the Mexican-American War, which is where their plan really began coming together. In the year 1876, the mole men would dig into the private quarters of Antonio Lopez de Santa Anna and talk to him about how terrible and awful Mexico really was, convincing him that his nation was completely a terrible one and should have always been part of the United States from the beginning. The mole men, of course, knew that the Mexicans did not believe that freedom of speech protected unpopular speech as well, so they would kill him, at which point mole men would be able to take over Mexico and rise up and become a surface world power. The only problem being that they did not follow through on their responsibility and did not inform the proper authorities when they were digging, as they are often doing, and they struck a power grid and they were all electrocuted altogether at once because they were all joining hands as they would dig. You know, that's how they dug fastest. Thus brought about the death of the Mole Men Society and a lesson to you all. Follow through on your responsibility and from the proper authorities when you're building and just so you know, freedom of speech applies to unpopular speech. My name is Rory Sinjin and this is Where Are They Now in History on Kirsten Wax. Interesting, interesting. So let me let me see if I get this straight. Mole Men, from the, the time when Muhammad died, arranged for the Magna Carta to get, to get signed in order to take over Mexico uh, a number of years later. So that's, I mean, that's a really far-reaching plan. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. It, it, it took 1,200 years for their plan to come to fruition. And of course, like I said, it, it was completely destroyed by not calling ahead to see if they could dig under Mexico City. I mean, well, they, I, the, the answer probably would have been no, I imagine. 
if they had called ahead, right? Well, perhaps, but at least maybe they would have turned off the power phone. No, is what I'm saying. I mean, they wouldn't have. Did they even have a power grid in the 1800s? I thought that was... Well, in this, it's a slightly different world. And perhaps they would have. Look, it doesn't matter. The point is that they all got electrocuted and they all died. So there are no mole men left in that world where that all took place. But had they succeeded, they would have taken over Mexico. And from then, from there, who knows? You know, possibly the world. You never know. I know. And I know that's all utter nonsense. Well, you no, know, you don't know is, is the fact. And look, you, you cannot dictate... What, you know, what is good and what is not good? You sound like, oh, someone else we know. Who who used to tell us what was good and what wasn't good? Oh, oh I remember. It was Scape. No, I'm not anything like Scape. How could you even compare me to Scape? That's terrible. That's awful of you. Guys, he's he's my cat, you know. he's I still love him. Well, that's good. No, I mean, of course, there's nothing wrong with being Scape. But I'm that's still, I can't believe you would even say that, Rory. Well, you know, perhaps you shouldn't earn it then. Guys, he's my cat. Remember my cat? Just a second ago, I just said he was my cat, so maybe you shouldn't say terrible things about him when I'm around. You're the one who had us do the How Good Escapey sarcastic edition. Well, yeah, but that's what I said that was okay at the time. And you can't just, I mean, it's like, that's like if I was just like, oh, you know, Rory, your mother is a jerk. How dare you say such a thing about my mother? I can't believe, Thomas is going to get very angry at you. He won't invite you to the wedding if you say mean things about her. No, I'm not saying, I was saying, if I did that, uh, look, your mother's a wonderful person and apparently very, you know, impressive sexually from what I've heard. Uh, you don't have to go there. But I'm I'm not saying anything bad about her. My point was that you can't just insult someone's family, they get upset. When we're all having a, a little go, that's different. Well, I don't see how that's that much different, but okay. Anyway, let's just move on to the next segment. What's next? Uh, Frank, uh, it's your segment, right? It's Frank Allen interview, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. It is. And uh, interestingly, it's uh, of Scapey. Wait, what? You interviewed Scape. You guys, he's grounded from the podcast. That's why we're not having him on the show. Remember? No, I know he's grounded, but from like the host segment. Well, no, the idea he was supposed to be grounded from everything. Well, he couldn't have been grounded from everything. He was in Epic Echo. Yeah, but that's old. That's the past Scapey. That's not the present Scapey. What? That doesn't make any look. All I'm saying is, look, I had him. On, I interviewed him about his downfall, so to speak, and I don't see that that would be a problem. Well, he was supposed... Listen, I, you know, and I, I didn't mention it before. I was distracted by my ukulele, but, which is pretty awesome, so I can understand why I would be distracted by it. But um, uh, what was I talking about? Scape. Scape is supposed to be grounded for all of June from the podcast. Now, that would have been more episodes, but I was busy, uh, you know, strumming the old uh, banana uke, if you would. Um, what was I talking about? Scapey again, I think. No, yeah, Scape is grounded for ju- uh, June, so he can't be on your show. Well, I already recorded it, so it's up to you if you want to play it. <sighs> Frank, I, I, you know, you, you didn't, you weren't very explicit. You said from the host segment. No, I didn't say that. Well, no, but I interpreted it that way. <sighs> fine, 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 fine. Here's Frank Allen Interviews. Frank Allen Interviews. Starring Frank Allen. Hello, and welcome to Frank Allen Interviews. Uh, this week, we do have a very special guest, the uh, disgraced former host of Welcome to the Waxwork, um, Mr. Scape White. Thank you for being here. Well, uh, thank you for having me, but uh, you shouldn't say disgraced. Well, I mean, you are, I meant disgraced because you're, you were forcibly removed from your host ship, and um, I, yeah, I would say exiled in disgrace. Uh, you have a very, you have a very interesting recollection of it. The way I see it... I'm awesome. Well, yeah, I de- no, I definitely don't see it that way. So, okay, uh, l- I mean, let's let's go through if we could your your tenure as host, and I let's, maybe we'll see where you made mistakes, what what your regrets are, 
and what you would do differently if you were doing it again today. Well, okay, if you want to. You were made, you were made host, uh, you, you pretty soon after brought in the Jordan Robot. Now, the Jordan Robot is a robot made by Dr. Stelloff who dispensed food and was violent and used as a torture device. Okay, well, well, right there, right there. You see things very, very different that I do. Like I said, I think that Jordan Robot was a good friend to me. He gave me things I wanted, like moist food, which is something very good. He helped me to win arguments with you, for example. Well, that was, that was like I said, that's not winning an argument. That's tortured. You tortured me with him, which has been universally de de decried by the international community, I think. Me personally? No, I mean torture in general. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I would think that you would, you know, have a, like I said, have some regrets regarding that torture. Well, look, the way I see it, you get into a situation with a ticking time clock, and you have to make the tough decisions that everybody else is too scared to make. What t the ticking clock in the argument with me? Yeah, you never know when you would just win the argument any minute. So I have to act quickly to win the argument. Well, that's not how people... I mean, when people are talking about the ticking clock situation, they're talking about, like, a bomb's going to go off or, you know, someone's kidnapped or something. They're not talking about somebody else is going to win. I mean, that... That's pretty despicable. No, look, like I said, that's why I'm talking about the tough decisions that other people are too scared to make. I'm not too scared to make the tough decision of torture Frank Allen. Other people aren't scared to make it. Other people know it's not wise. But, okay, let's leave that alone. Obviously, you are no longer the host. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So there must be things that you regret. I mean, how did this come to be? What did you do wrong? What brought about your downfall? Well, uh, basically, I think that my big mistake was that I, when I, well, do you remember that I kidnapped you and replaced you with a robot? Yeah, no, yeah, I remember that pretty, pretty well. That was your big mistake. Well, I'm glad that you feel that way, because I also thought that was pretty disappointing. No, 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 well, I was, that's not what I was saying, okay? What I was saying was, I think the mistake was that I didn't do that to my dad, because if I had kidnapped dad too, then he couldn't have put me in the other room. What? No, no, that's not what you're supposed to have gotten from that. He... But not to mention you, he, as he pointed out, and I kind of wish I had thought of earlier, um, you are just a cat, so anybody could just pick you up and put you in the other room. Not if there's robots. There was robots, and he did it. I mean, don't you think the problem with what you did wrong was using your robots irresponsibly, which A, caused trouble with me, B, ruined Rory Sinjin for a while there, not that he was that great to begin with, and, you know, C, got your dad mad because you were having Cylons. If you hadn't had the robots there and been making too much noise, you know, he might have never awoken to the problem. Yeah, but if he was kidnapped, he still wouldn't be awake to problem. Or if he was, well, he'd be kidnapped, so he couldn't stop me. And then I would have the Jordan Robot go about his business. Oh, don't you think your mother would have noticed that her husband was a, a robot? No, I would program him to say nice things to her, and she would be like, oh, he's very nice. I, that's good. I don't want to question it. You, you just, you think you've got it all figured out, don't you? Yeah, I do. I have, I've figured out a lot of stuff. I think about things, and I think... Hey, uh, how does this work? What is the ideal situation, do you think? And then I answer myself and I'm like, oh, I know. I'm smart. <laughs> oh, thank you for that description of how thinking works. But clearly, you didn't think things through because, again, here you are disgraced. Th that 
disgraced, deposed. Well, yeah, but deposed in disgrace. The point is, everybody knows that you were a lousy host. People, in fact, I can I can I share something with you? Okay, I guess. On last week's show, after you left, I I heard about this later. Uh, someone wrote in and said that said, let me read this. Scapey used to be my favorite part of the show. But as of late, without him to fill the unique niche he used to in this ragtag team of individuals, he has lost his appeal. So so you used to be this person's favorite part of the show, and now she doesn't like you at all. Well, okay, uh, let me tell you something. That person is a dumb ass because, okay, I'm always the same, and I'm always awesome. So when I come back to the show, I'm still going to be awesome. I'm not going to stop being awesome just because this person is like, oh, blah, 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 blah. well, guess what? Uh, I'm awesome. So, hmm. Okay, uh, let me tell you something else. The show was best when I was in charge because I was getting myself more things. I was, I got to sing more than I used to. Well, they mention that too. They say his songs were better when he had to try harder to get them into the show. And then they say he has become a washed up sellout version of the former artist. Well, that person's wrong. Okay, look, I didn't sell, first of all, I didn't sell out because I didn't get any money. Okay. Second of all, I don't remember what I was saying. But I do good songs every time, even when I don't have to try. I can just be like, hey, did you know that Scapey is the man now? Hey, did you know that Scapey is the man? He's an awesome kid and yeah, he's just the best. <sighs> that was fine. I don't, you're not allowed to sing anymore during this interview. I am. Skippy is the best. No, you're not. No, stop. Stop it. Stop. Skippy stop is the it. best. I don't have to stop. You can't, you have no authority. I do. It's my show. Want to see how much authority I have? Watch this. Um, hey, Scape, what do you think of yourself, really? Do you really think you're as awesome as you claim to be, or are you really just a total lame person? Actually, I am totally lame, and I don't think anybody should listen to me. Oh, that's very interesting. Hi, what did you do? I didn't, you, I didn't say that. No, but I, that's what, that's what I'm showing you. I have authority here because this is my Frank Allen interview. I can edit you to say whatever I want you to say. Hey, that is not a bad thing. I agree. I think it's totally reasonable. That's not what I said. You are, you are cheating. You are totally cheating on this show. I'm going to tell. Who are you going to tell? First of all, everybody's listening to it. Second of all, there's, who, who, who are you going to tell on me? I'm going to tell the news people because they're going to say, hey, guess what? Uh, Frank Allen, not so much of a respected journalist anymore because he can edit stuff. Anybody can edit stuff. And I don't, I, I don't normally, but I'm saying for this one I did because I was busting on you. Yeah, but who can know? Maybe you edited Rin that time that you said she killed somebody. I did it. She killed that guy. Alan Scott is dead because of her. I, it's not my fault that that's the truth. Look, I didn't edit that. Well, how are we supposed to know if you edit me? Well, that's a good question. Um... Oh, how about this? Do you think I did it? No, I don't think that you did it. Well, then I think we're all set. That's not what I said. You are cheating. Oh, I hate you. Well, look, that's I. We, we, we were out of time. I think we're out we're of time. We're not out of time. You just don't want me to tell on you anymore. No, we're, no, we're, I think we're out of time. So, uh, thank you for listening to Frank Allen interviews. This has been an interview with disgraced uh, former host, Why you uh, Mr. Um, um, Scape White, uh, who eventually will probably be back on Cast and Wax, but for now is living in disgrace. Yes. And thank you, thank you for being here, Skate. You can suck an egg. I think you are an excellent journalist. Thank you very much. I think so too. Uh, it's been a pleasure having you. Yeah. We're back with more Frank Allen interviews very soon. Thank you for listening. All right.
Alright, well, he's distracted again, so probably for the best, because I did sort of insult Scape a bunch more. Well, I, really, I can't say I blame you. He did a lot of terrible things to us, but th you did also insult me in there, I think, yes. a little bit. No, not, I mean, not directly, no. Uh, don't Look, don't worry about that. You know, that's the least of your worries. What's that supposed to mean? Nothing, no, nothing. Look, uh, just forget it. Look, why is everybody on my case today? I interviewed Scapey. He's a deposed host. It's fine. It's the right thing to do. Man, if you say so. Let's just, you know, let's let's just move on to the next segment. The next segment is, uh, Like Daughter, right? Uh, yes, that it is. Yes, that it is. I don't even remember what's going on in this show. When I can help you there, it, it's, it's that Pandora Darling has been investigating what this whole cask thing is all about. Um, I believe she is in the office of the, the, the uh, Carousel Academy School of Karate, if I remember correctly, with her boyfriend, Bobby. Was he her boyfriend? Uh, well, yes, I think he is, actually. Oh. Okay. All right, well, let's listen to it. Not low enough. Episode 5, Pandora's Box, by Guinevere Eckert. Once upon a time, there was a young girl from Carousel, New York, who cared about the important things in life, like what nail colors were in fashion that season, and making sure that said nails matched her shoes. There are some who would say that all of this came to an end with her discovery of a secret worldwide organization bent on destroying not only her happy little world, but all happy little worlds. This organization was known as Cask. In reality, however, it all came to an end when Pandora Darling came home early from school one September afternoon to find her mother standing with a bloody hunting knife over a very dead man who claimed to have witnessed Jehovah. But now Hope Darling was dead, and it was up to Pandy to continue in her mother's footsteps in her war against Cask. I'm glad that you've made it this far, honey. Glad that you decided to do this. But there are some things that you need to make sure you know and do. Pandora and her now official boyfriend, Bobby Kurtzman, sat in the office of Chuck Norriton Kane's Karate Dojo, the Carousel Academy School of Karate, listening to a recording of Hope Darling, which she had left in the care of Mr. Kane. Most importantly, Pandy, you must follow find a confidant. I personally recommend Tabby. You two work so well together. For lack of that, you might want to consider that geeky computer nerd that you're always complaining about. Wait a minute. The little, little, little tapes are in my room in the bottom drawer of my dresser in a secret compartment in the back. 
They seem to have worked for you, so have whomever you choose as your companion listen to the tapes so you won't be doing all of the work out there. Yes, Mother, we already did that. I do have some of my priorities There's the subliminal message tapes you made me listen to all afternoon, right? Make sure you make this your first priority, Potato. Yeah, she makes it sound like she Once expects me to spend all afternoon boinking you rather than preparing you for combat. I recommend signing up for some of Mr. Kane's classes. It will make it easy for you to efficiently take out all Shut enemies and start to network. Bobby and Pandora scramble to find either a volume controller or pause button on the box that was playing Hope's recording. Chuck stood and went to answer the knock on his office door. A tall man with greasy hair stood there. He gestured toward the front doors. Chuck excused himself and went to speak to the new arrival. Meanwhile, the sweaty, greasy man leaned casually in the office doorway, leering at Pandora. Pandora, that guy's staring at you really weirdly. I know you keep saying you're not good at spotting members of Cask, but I think he might qualify. Should we take him out? Chill, Bobby. A, we don't want to be blowing our cover before we even have a cover. B, I'm pretty sure that guy's just creepy, not Cask. I don't like the way he's looking at you. Are you sure? Neither do I. And no, I'm not sure he's not Cask. But I'd rather not sit here with him staring at me until I do something stupid and make a scene. I'm going out there. Pandora dropped a curtain. Excuse me. As she shouldered past the man in the doorway, she headed up to the front to the building where Chuck Kane was standing with his back to her, completely blocking the person to whom he was talking from Pandora's sight. Pardon me, Mr. Kane, but could you please direct me to... Tabby? Handy? What on earth are you doing here? Me? I'm... I'm signing up for class. You know, since my mom died, I thought, what are you doing here? Whatever my business is here, Pandy... It's none of yours. Uh, Miss Wentworth here stopped by to ask for donations for some new organization she's starting. Something about social knowledge. What did you say it was called? I hadn't yet, but it's called the Carousel Social Knowledge Association. Chuck and Pandora gave Tabitha queer looks. Well, I had thought about the Carousel Association for Social Knowledge, but I was worried that it would sound a bit too stuffed shirtish for someone who is still only a junior in high school. And campaign advocating social knowledge just sounds odd if it's not in the middle of a sentence. If I'm getting funding, I need an organization name, not just a description. Right. I'm really sorry, Miss Wentworth, but the Carousel Academy School of Karate just can't afford to be giving out donations. I know, I know, it's a shame. I know, I know, it's a shame. We'd really love to help another small developing group out, but we're barely making the rent on this building as it is. What? That's ridiculous. You have a room full of students. Your registration lists are filled. And when I got here that you don't give donations. You only waited till after I told you that it's you, isn't it? You told him not to give me the money. You and your woe is me, my mother died antics, and you steal Bobby from me. But no, that's not good enough for you. Now you're chumming it up with your mom's old karate instructor. I hate you, Pandora darling! Tabitha stopped screaming, breathing hard, and noticed that behind Mr. Kane and Pandora, every person in the crowded room was staring. At her. She turned and ran from the room. Mr. Kane waved to the others, instructing them to return to their axe kicks and high blocks, and gave Pandora a curious look. Ex-best friend. Right. 
Let's get back to that box thing. Chuck and Pandora return to the office to find the greasy-haired man deep in conversation with a stuttering Bobby who was clutching the closed recording box to his stomach. The conversation cut short when Chuck and Pandy entered. A moment, please, Ralph. Look, Pandora, I'm very sorry, but I think you should get out of here. Listen to the rest of the tape, and I'll contact you before tomorrow morning. Here, put it in this bag. We don't need you looking any more suspicious than you already do. And before they knew what was happening, Pandora and Bobby found themselves standing outside of the dojo, clutching a sack of padding in which Hope's recording was hiding. Well then. I hope I didn't just screw things up really badly for everyone. Oh, I don't think so. At least Ralph didn't seem to pay any mind, even after Tabby's outburst. What was she doing there anyway? Trying to raise money for her social awareness organization. Then why all the fuss? She couldn't decide on a name. Okay. She said she couldn't decide between the Carousel Social Knowledge Association, the Carousel Association for Social Knowledge, or just campaign advocating social knowledge. Oh. Oh, Bobby, I don't want Tabby to be cast. I mean, yes, she's a total brat, but I suppose I'm not entirely guilt-free in that respect either. Yes, we've had a few fights and are officially not friends anymore, but I, I don't want to. What? What don't you want to do? Benny... Are you okay? Pandora Claire Darling turned to look at Bobby, her face red and blotchy, her eyes swollen with unspilled tears. I don't want to have to kill my- Pandy, don't talk about that here. We're in the middle of a public parking lot. Anyone could hear you. Tabby could still be- Bobby shook the pain away from his hand and examined the teeth marks in it for blood. Why did you bite me for? I'm sorry, Bobby. I didn't mean it. How could you not mean it? You bit me. I didn't mean to hurt you. How does that make sense? You bit me. You don't bite people and not intend to hurt them. I didn't bite you that hard. I'm bleeding. Really? Let me see. No. You might decide you want to finish the job. You need to learn to control yourself. What's that supposed to mean? You said you didn't mean to bite me. Whatever, but you had this glazedish look in your eyes right before you did it. Okay. Meaning it wasn't really you in there. Those subliminal tapes your mother fed you. The same ones I had you listen to earlier today. Are taking control of you. So you're saying I'm turning into some inhuman fighting machine that can't control her own actions? Um, kind of, yeah. You just need to learn how to control those impulses. Bring them to the forefront of your mind so that instead of being programmed to know all this stuff, you know how to do it. It's like in the lab with Officer Feelgood. As soon as we get home, I'm going upstairs by myself. Feel free to do whatever it is that you do. But once home, Pandora grabbed the box-laden bag from Bobby and climbed the stairs to her room, ignoring Bobby's spluttering protests and requests for access to the ice and a plastic baggie. She stalked directly to her room, slammed the door, locked it, took the box out of the bag, lifted the lid off of the box she slept in, climbed in, and lay down, clutching the box with her mother's voice to her chest. Mommy, what have you done to me? Pull the third book from the left on the bookshelf, and the shelf will open to my arsenal. Please keep in mind that many of them are antiques, so don't break them. Moving on to the kitchen, behind the canned soups you'll find everything you'll need for an arsenic cocktail, among other things. Ingredients for just drugging someone are behind the baking supplies. I figured if you accidentally added some of those to your brownies you were always making, at least you wouldn't be hyper for very long. So there's that. 
Now for the important stuff. Like I said before, you need someone that you can trust. Chuck will be there for you if you need him. Again, I recommend signing up for a few classes, just for an excuse to make contact. You can practice pointing out cast members there as well. More importantly, though, keep your friends close and your enemies even closer than that. But I think your best bets for a confidant are either Tabby or that guy. I don't recommend both, as that could result in a compromising situation if tempers get heated. I'm sorry, Potato, but I know I'm forgetting something. Something big, but I just can't... Oh, right. Uh, you need to know about your father and how to find him. <laughs> Pandora snapped back to reality and bolted downstairs. Unfortunately, no one appeared to be present except for a long scream, which was quickly turning into a series of frightened squawks. The only place left to go was downstairs. Pandora flopped onto the sofa, her face in her hands, debating whether she should attempt to explain to Bobby why Officer Orson S. Interpolitansky's innards were decomposing in a bucket next to the rest of him, or let him come to his own conclusions. Pandora. Yes, Bobby? Um, why is... He was Cask. Yes, we've established that part, but you never said you killed him. All you said was that he won't be waking up for a while. It's kind of true. So you just killed him? I didn't just kill him. I had to get the chip. How else was I supposed to get it? And you knew for absolute certainty that Interpolitansky was Cask. I had a hunch. A hunch! Pandora, I know you've been through a lot, so we're going to go through this really slowly. You killed, emphasis on the killed, as in removed the spark of life from a man who, yes, I'll admit he was a little too enthusiastic and obsessive and definitely creepy and weird and totally about to kill us, but you killed him because you thought that he might be Cask. Yes. Penny. I love you. You know that. But do you realize how not good all this looks? This is crazy stuff. I'm scared that you're going crazy yourself. Like, like Dahmer crazy. I just don't. What were you and Ralph talking about? What? Ralph, the guy at the dojo. You were all stuttery and sweaty, but you still seemed really into the conversation. What were you talking about? Oh, we introduced ourselves and his name seemed familiar, so I asked him if he blogged too. Turns out he was a big Jason Brandt fan too. <laughs> he works for a company called, oh, what was it? Right. Canine Assistance Supervision. Do you like have a magnet in you or something? What? No, I don't, don't think so. What? It just seems like you could go to a sold-out game at Giant Stadium and end up sitting next to the only other Jason Brandt fan in the entire crowd. Well, I, uh... There's you, and now Ralph, and Caleb, and I know there was someone else. All right! Tabby! How did Tabby know about Hope's friendship with Chuck Notterton Kane? What is she doing at Pandora's house? Is there really any connection between Bobby, Tabby, Ralph, and Caleb? Will Pandora and Bobby's relationship last? And what did Hope have to say about Pandora's father? The only way to find out is to listen in to next week's episode of Like Daughter, Killing Time. In that episode of Like Daughter, the narrator was Charles Berman. Pandora Darling was Guinevere Eckert. Tabby was Ava Rosenblatt. Bobby Kurtzman was Jordan D. White. Chuck Kane was Joe Rude Coppola. And Hope was played by Lynn Nelson. The theme song was by Jordan D. White. Yes, uh, the theme song was by me, and I was just trying to toy it out while um, while we were listening, but it's like, it's it's hard. It has one of the worst chords I hate so much. Well, you put it in there. Well, yeah, but I didn't play the ukulele at the time. I just was... 
um, you know, not not doing that. So I mean, it was like, oh well. Then this is the chord I hate. Used to have lyrics, actually. Did you know that? I, not, not a lot of people know uh, that. No, I didn't. I didn't know that. When you're a historian on everything. Well, I mean, yes, I did know that. But I was just making conversation. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was called delicate. It was like. Um, it was not very good. You're, you're delicate, so intricate. This is the worst chord. So undefinite. I'm so sorry, I wanted to try to help you fly, fly but I helped you die. <laughs> Please forgive me. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's good. <laughs> I know, it's not, it's not good. It's not good at all. Clearly written on that same phase as that poetry we read that one time. Yeah, yeah, actually, yes, it was. It was written right around that same time. Um, I think it, it works much better with no lyrics as the theme song of a show. Um, so, good, good on that. And I suppose that can serve as our song before listener mail. Um, since Scape's not here to sing a song. But we didn't, we wouldn't really need, we don't really need to have a song before listener mail. I mean, you know, it's, it's listener mail, it's not listener... No, in fact, there's just nothing. There's no reason to have a song before listener mail. No, that's true. Um, yeah, actually, though, I should, um... I should mention, uh, we didn't really get any li listener mail. I mean, we did actually get two letters, but they're both letters to Scape. And since Scape's grounded, I, I figure I'll just save them, um, and read them to him when, when we're, you know having him back so so in in july if if you all uh want to write in not to scapey for next week please do please do i'd love to hear what you have to say about my wonderful you king yeah or about something that isn't him you king why would you want to write in about that wonderful you king wow i should that's that's a terrible you king thing At least that one has a right melody. Enough with the yuking. Can you stop with the yuking, please? Anyway, no, yeah, but you can write into us. I forgot to say yes. You can write into us at castinwax at gmail.com. And um, it's a good place to write into us because that's where we, um, you know, uh, get mail. All right, and now, so I guess that's the end of the show, right? Uh, yes, basically it is, yes. All right, well, we, one of the ways we bribed Jordan to come back on the show is we said he could play with a stupid you. But we also said he could perform one of the theme songs on the uke. And I did. So, uh, everybody, come back next week. And you will hear more uking and more cereals and more funniness. Have a good night. Waxwork, she's the sight for me. Waxwork, she never bores me. Stories, poetry, got those creative projects just for me. I never wanted any other mother loving website. Don't ever fall out the drive that keeps my baby alive. But I for so.
Waxwork, men want to date her Waxwork, other sites hate her She looks so divine You've never seen such sexy web design I never wanted any other mother-loving website Don't ever format the drive that keeps my baby alive enough for so You know, with so many of our boys overseas We here at Waxwork.com would like to recommend that all you good citizens out there Invest in war bonds the next best thing to joining them out there on the front lines, side by side with our fighting boys. God bless you, and God bless America. Waxwork, try her and you'll see. Waxwork, she's cheap and easy. When I'm feeling down, I put her on my laptop and go to town. I never wanted any other mother loving website. Don't ever form a drive to keep my baby alive. I love her so. Thank you. On the next episode of Cast and Wax, on Decker and Hayes, Macy may have a clue to who the widow is. Oh great, am I in an urban legend now? Some escaped psychopath is going to come get revenge on me? Maybe, and if you keep pushing me away like this, I won't be around to knock her on our psychotic ass for you. Guess I won't go trolling for prostitutes like I was gonna tonight then. You ruin all my fun, Macy. <sighs> Let's have this fight when I get home, huh? And on Tractor Fiction, we investigate the wonders of modern sex education. Listen, kid, as long as you practice safe sex, you can get away with anything. First, you go on the pill. I'll give you some. Your date is in two weeks, that's long enough. And I'll throw in some condoms, too. <sighs> it's so good to have someone I can trust. Plus some important historical facts. Now, I understand this isn't quite as famous as the last piece of history we he just covered. my doll! But we should still try to do it with some level of accuracy for Rory Sinjin's and a scapey story. Well, actually, new scapey's grounded, right? Oh, right, so I don't know what... Yeah, yeah, I'm not sure. Well, it'll be something. Coming June 29th to waxwork.com.